Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I'm joined by guest Jeff Scornavaca. Jeff is a business consultant who helps companies improve their contracting and offer development processes. He's worked with clients like Johnson & Johnson, Ocean Spray Cranberries, Reebok, and many more. Jeff's been value pricing enterprise clients like these for years, which is what we focus on in this episode. Without further ado, here's Jeff. Jeff, welcome to the show. Jonathan, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Can you start off by just letting people know who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Jeff Scornavaca. I'm the principal for Silver Lake Productions. Uh, we're predominantly a FileMaker development house, uh, but lately we've gotten big time into, I think, it's just some straight up, we've had some opportunities to get some, into straight up business consulting. Uh, we are uh, about six or seven consultants strong right now. Excellent. And are those W-2 employees or 1099? Those are 1099s, actually. Um, we're structured a bit different uh, than um, most dev houses. Uh, I, I found that the um, uh, going the 1099 route uh, allowed us to attract a, uh, a different kind of uh, consultant, uh, people with actually a little more um, life experience and um, just uh, some ability to show some a little more empathy, I think, to the client. Um, and it, it's been a great route for us, so I have, I have no regrets for it. And how long have you been in business? Uh, Silver Lake Productions has been around about 13 to 14 years now. So what kind of projects do you do? So I'm, I'm curious about the sort of type of project, size of project, type of customer, size of customer, that kind of thing, just to give people like a context scope-wise. Sure. So we've we've uh, sort of in our history we've we've gotten involved um, in anything from uh, helping companies like Ocean Spray Cranberries with all their labeling. There's basically two people involved in the design and production of of every uh, Ocean Spray branded label uh, that you ever, might might ever see. Uh, we we've gotten involved uh, with Reebok Headwear. We were allowed allowed them to expand. Uh, their custom catalog from one catalog to twelve catalogs a year. That's all the catalog. That's all the hats you see. You know, uh, for NHL, uh, Major League Baseball, they were in the NFL for a time. Uh, pretty much all the collegiate sports. Um, so it's really allowed them to expand uh, their capabilities um, to go after some some additional opportunities in markets. Uh, we've been involved in higher ed. Uh, we, we were uh, with Middlebury uh, College for a long time, helping them out. Uh, we've done some work for MIT, for Tufts University. Uh, we've gotten involved in uh, small manufacturing to really help people uh, analyze their uh, their business data better and help with their inventory and things. And about uh, 11 years ago or so, we got involved uh, with um, the medical device area. Uh, we had an opportunity to get involved with the contracting end of um, Johnson Johnson's Depew um, uh, Synthes uh, franchise. And so we've been down there, um, you know, uh, helping out with uh, offer development and um, and contract development, and it's uh, it's been really great. We've gotten a lot of there's been a lot of interesting problems to solve down there. So wow, that's an amazing client list. Congratulations. Thanks. I'm curious about the length of a typical project, uh, the number of people that you would put on one. Are we talking about, you know, three month things with a dev and a designer, or is it more like, um, you know, nine to 12 months with three or four people? We, um, most of our projects are, are typically nine month efforts. I'd say at, at the most we, we typically, I, 
I like to break, even if it's a bigger project, I like to break it down by, by steps we can declare victory on every once in a while. I think it's better for, I think it's better all, for all concerned. We, we get product in front of the customer that can use immediately. Um, or, uh, and so we're, we're, we're a big fan of the sort of the agile method of, of product delivery. Um, it allows, I think people to, um, to become, uh, familiar enough with the client, but it also helps us just to not feel like we're like encumbered by any particular project for too long. So it's, it seems that, that, you know, that, that's been a, where the, that the water level has risen for us and we've just it just seems like a really comfortable place for all concerned. And how do you price a project of that size? Is it an hourly thing, a, a fixed price, value priced? We usually try to do uh, value pricing. Uh, we've gotten super into just walking them through the, the process and um, of trying to uncover the value of the project and just see if it's a worthwhile project for them. And I think that, you know, we've got, we've been, um, contacted several times and we've walked them through what I think they wanted to do and, and we've gone, you know, I, I just don't think this is really a great project, you know, for us to be doing with you. There might be someone else that, that, that might want to engage you for this, but it just doesn't seem like for our expertise and for what, what we can bring the t- to the table um, that this might be a, you know, a good fit. And I think they've appreciated that when we've when we've um, when we've uh, you know gone and been that candid with them. Um, at the same time, you know, there's a lot a lot of times that you are able to um, if you're with a client for a long time, you're able to um, gain a lot of no- capital knowledge about the uh, the workings of um, you know th- their compliance needs, about their uh, their procurement structure, about their um, IT infrastructure, about the, the way their business works, and all these things. So you, you can you can make yourself ever more valuable to your long term clients by kind of digging in a little bit and uh, and finding out more and be willing to learn about um, about the, the challenges they face in the marketplace and their uh, regulatory environment. Sure, acting more as, as a partner than just a pair of hands to be instructed what to do. Yeah, that's right. I think that's right. I think, you know, as, a, as an outsider to their organization, I think a lot of times we can spot um, opportunities for them um, and make help them guide them to some other choices that they may have not uh, realized internally. Mm. So now, did you always value price or is that so, did you, you know, at one time do hourly and then switch over to that? How did that work? You know, when we got involved uh, with J&J, we, we, we uh, billed by the hour and then um, as a compliance concern, they actually, since we are uh, basically a 1099 for them, uh, they needed to move us to flat pricing. So they really wanted to move us to just giving here's a here's a fixed price for the project, and um, uh, and there you go. And and you know at the time, um, this was right in the wake of the the Microsoft case with the contractors versus employees kind of thing, and so. They had all these criteria that that made you look like uh, closer to ever closer to being an employee, right? Did you come in and sit in the same chair every day? Did you have a cube? Did you have a card? Did you have a phone? Did you do you bill by the hour? And so, um, you know, as they went by down these these items, they were really caught on the bill by the hour thing. And so, you know, we moved to we moved by necessity, like it was it was no grand plan of ours necessarily. <laughs> Yeah. But 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 as we did it, you know, uh, we actually found that there were some things that we did that were incredibly valuable to them, um, 
uh, and some things that were less valuable to them, and we were able to to bill accordingly with it. You know, we had some. I, I think it's you know we've been largely pretty successful with it. We've certainly had some uh, you know projects that I wish I had you know bid a little differently or estimated a little differently, but um, but by and large, it's been very successful for us. Excellent. So the projects that you're describing are, I would characterize as pretty, they're not huge, but pretty large, you know, nine month project. Um, I'm assuming we're talking, you know, six figure price tags. How do you keep the scope from, you know, going, going wild? Like what is the, what, what leads up to the project proposal and what tactics do you use to prevent the scope from running wild and blowing your profitability? You know, I think we had really, um, we've done a couple things. One of them is, I think in the proposal itself, we've really become focused more on outcomes than on, than on, um, you know, any sort of like technical details. I think if you were to look at a proposal that I might've done 10 years ago, had all sorts of, you know, features listed that we're going to build and, and technical details about what the, the tables are going to look like. And, and I think that's, that's largely a waste of time now. I think it, really if you, if you can focus on, you know, identify the problem you were trying to solve and make sure that you're all focused on solving that problem. And so if another something, if something else comes up, you can ask yourself, well, how is that, how is that, how is that focused on solving the problem? And I think if the answer is, well, it's not really focused on solving the problem, but but I want it to be this way anyway, <laughs> to be done anyway. You know, you, I think you have a much better chance to have a conversation of, well, let's, why don't we set that aside for now? I, I, I understand your desire to have this, but let's, let's finish through this. We'll put it on a list and we'll get it, um, you know, we'll, we'll evaluate it in the scope of everything else that comes up later on. And, uh, but let's get, let's make sure that we declare a victory on what we've already decided to go, go upon. And a lot of times we'll go, and you know, by the time you, when you get done with the project, yeah, they're not really that interested in you know in what what they had talked about before, or it, was, it seemed whimsical, or 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 you have a list for phase two, and some of these things you know at given time uh, you know are still with merit, and so um, you want to get them done, and uh, so we work, work through another phase of the project. Mm, yeah, I've had the, ex- the the experience you just described is exactly what uh, I've seen with projects of that size, if you have a litmus test to kind of validate these new, cause new requests always come up in the middle of a, a project that's that long because sure. things, things change and you know, and, if, and, if, and somebody's hair is on fire, a competitor did some move, you know, did, made some change in the marketplace and right. or something happens and people can freak out, lose their nerve, uh, second guess themselves. And, you know, they come running in with like, oh, we have to do this now. This is the most important thing. Mm. And very rarely, if you have that sort of goal, if they have the goal set in advance, it gives you a way to to judge the validity of the suggestion. And very, I, man, I, it must have <laughs> happened once to me, but I can't think of a time that an urgent request like that ever passed muster. I do did exactly what you did which is let's put this on a v2 list and revisit it uh once we i love the i love the phrase declare victory right uh, once we you know I, I would say in order to protect the project in the best interest of the project we can't just be randomly adding things into it we'll never finish sure so let's finish 
and then reevaluate this. Exactly what you said. That's it's complete parallel. And you know, and sometimes things are going to change. You know, sometimes as you go through, you know, completely understanding, you know, the, your your client's business. You know, there, there's plenty of opportunities already for other things to pop up, other discoveries you made. Other, there might be opportunities, or they might be, you know, you may get digging into the discovery bit, uh, pro- part of the process, and and go, wow, what if you guys, you know, did it this way instead of that way? And like everyone goes, wow, that would be really great. I have we had, no one's ever thought of that before, and then, not that it would be necessarily our idea, but maybe in the course of everyone. You know, uh, sitting around talking about white, you know, whiteboarding out some ideas or or brainstorming a little bit about an approach to a problem. You know, a, a, you know, an idea will emerge, and at that point, you're like, "Wow, well, that's that's really gonna that's really gonna move this thing forward." When you guys do it, that you know, we should really consider doing that now. So I, I you know, it's, it's not to dismiss change out of hand, but I think any sort of change needs to be evaluated, and um, you know, and just just to see that, make sure that it wasn't just a strictly a you know, just some passionate reaction to something. Mm, yep, exactly. So is it fair to say that the vast majority of projects that you estimate and provide value price for uh, more or less stay on target? Yeah, I think that, you know, I've had one or two that have, that I've, um, that I, I didn't judge well. And I think that, um, you know, and I think uh, part of that became, you know, just just came from me, um, missing a particular turn in the project that um, that I didn't pay much attention to, uh, but I chalked it up to lessons learned. Uh, but by and large, it's worked out really well for us. Any uh, desire to switch back to hourly I, billing for <laughs> some new client? Not really. Um, much as I love um, everyone is still submitting timesheets and you know sending me invoices every first and 15th of the month and tallying things up and just having the conversations <laughs> about like what, what people did for this hour and why they charged for a phone call and why, you know, and, and all those things. I, you know, I, I, I'll probably go back to that someday cause I have such fond memories of it, but it's, um, <laughs> it's a delight, isn't it? So, uh, but I, by and large, I, I really don't, it's really, a, I think, I think, you know, I have no desire to move my business relationship with the clients back to an hourly thing and i think at some point you know i would love to move you know uh my developers and other con- and consultants away from uh hourly billing um to me and um uh and have them see if mm-hmm. it's acceptable to move to a uh, sort of a a fee for you know more of a fee based operation yeah that's fascinating to to sort of be be a customer and provider of value price services so it kind of you know it, it's better for everyone so why wouldn't you want your suppliers to provide it to you you know it's one of those things you need to um you know start slowly i think you need to uh because by and large you typically you as the sort of the forward facing customer facing um you know, business lead have a lot more uh typically estimation experience than your maybe some of your devs and so, you know, you need to you need to allow them to dip their toe into the estimation experience, so they can, um, so they can go and uh, be successful if they're going to agree to do a piece of work for a price. And so, you know, you can get you can do that in a lot of different ways. The first one is to you know have them, you know, try to um, you know try to estimate successfully and try to um, and see where they end up things and, and, and providing some feedback to them about what they did or didn't estimate well. 
Um, but I, you know, when, when we have gone, when they have sort of drunk the Kool-Aid of doing that, um, I've, you know, it, it's worked out, it's worked out really well. I think that they've, um, you know, they're typically more focused on less exotic solutions, um, to come up with things. They're focusing on sol- on solving the problem. Um, you know, it's, uh, they, they feel happy that they can, you know, go and, use, um, you know, some tools to get these things done and buy some, you know, they're not focused on necessarily how long it's going to take. They're, they're really more focused on like, you know, when I'm done with this, wow, that'll be great. And, you know, to the, to the point that, um, you know, it, it, doing this rewards their efficiency, right? So the better they get it, the better they get at coding, uh, and the more efficient they become and the more they learn, you know, the, the language of what I expect, you know, the, the better they can uh, come back to me and go, uh, well, there we go. And, you know, it, overall, it increases their, it, it increases their potential. And, uh, and frankly, it lowers my risk um, because I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't need to be, um, you know, I, I'm not open to the ever-ending ever flow of, of hours for the devs if, if I can do it. Sure. Like, I'm, I, I'm sure that, like, most people who practice this, you couldn't care less how long it took them to do something. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, if they, to the degree that they, that they understand, and a part of it is, you know, they need to understand their role in the process, right? So they need to, you know, they're, they're sharing the risk, you know, at this point with you a little bit. And so you want to make sure that their first experience into this is in some sort of like mind-blowing you know, risk that they're assuming because it could be because you know if it's a if it's a small risk that they're that they're taking on. Oh, okay, that wasn't so bad. Um, you know, I think once they get away from having to to track their hours, I think there's a lot of there's there's a lot of like, oh, that's much better. <laughs> and um, you know, and uh, again, to have them understand their role in the process, you know, both in terms of estimation and just sort of how they how they fit to the larger picture. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the big takeaway here, and you've mentioned it twice or maybe even three times, is that it it takes some maturity and some experience. And the smartest thing to do is start small because, you know, you are taking on risk when you present a, a fixed price to someone, you know, whether it's value price or any other kind of fixed price. So if you if you're going to start doing that, and I believe that people should at least experiment with it to get a feel for, cause it feels so different. It feels, right. it, it feels, it's just, it's almost like a different job. And, uh, it, it's, it, it's risky. So taking a big, huge bet right out of the gate is almost certainly a bad idea. So sure. Excellent advice. Baby steps. And I think the, um, in my you know, position in particular, you know, because we don't have W-2s, they're all 1099s. You know, I, I think that there's, you know, I tend to, with subs, there's, there's a tendency to be, have it be a more fluid situation personnel-wise. Um, so, you know, my goal is, you know, I never want to work with someone that I don't really, that I don't really like. Um, and I try to keep, I, I'm trying to keep my folks as busy as they want to be and have a, and have a steady supply of work that um, that uh, to keep them to keep them busy for me, right? So, because if I'm very sporadic or inconsistent with the work, you know, they may they may feel the need to go elsewhere with it. The other part of that is that you know I really try to 
um, most of the times have it uh, be work that they enjoy doing. You know, if, if someone doesn't want to do, doesn't like to be a, a forward uh, facing consultant and would much rather work on, you know, some deeper technical things, um, you know, let's try to let's try to get you over doing that. If someone really likes to go and spend, you know, get get in front of people and do the uh, the whole sort of discovery whiteboard process with the client and really loves that, let's get you doing that. I can't always do that, but I mean that's really sort of, you know, to put people in the right spot that they can be successful and and can enjoy doing things is really um is I think part of our success. Interesting. I'm curious. I don't want to go down another whole rabbit hole, but just from a high level, do you how much time do you devote to calculating profitability of either individual developers or uh, projects or clients as a whole? I'm pretty confident that, that our projects are profitable. Um, I certainly, you know, I like to, I like to, first of all, have a really happy client and we're profitable enough, you know, on basically on average, if you will, with, with, with our projects so that given a choice between being profitable on a particular project or having a happy client, I will choose the happy client. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I obviously I want to be, if on average I'm not profitable, I, you know, I couldn't, I would have to, <laughs> I would have to learn some different skills, <laughs> but, um, uh, but by and large, I'll always, if, if one particular project has, if I've, if I've, you know, basically underestimated it or I've bid it badly or if there's some aspect of it that I wasn't paying attention to um, and it kind of got, it got away from me, I, I, I want to, I want the project to be successful for, for the people who worked on it, my folks, and for the client in particular. So um, it, 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 it's only happened once or twice, but I mean, come, when it comes down to that choice, I'll always make that choice of, of, of leaving a trail of happy clients. Sure. So, you know, so we're talking like, what did you say at the beginning? 16 years and once or twice you've had, uh, had something get away from you, but the rest of the time it's all thumbs up. It's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. Uh, There's been other times that we've gotten into, like I think early on that we've, um, you know, had projects, um, you know, just expand in scope, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. And, and, um, you know, and I probably wasn't as good as managing that as I am now. I think now I, I, I call it immediately when I see it, mm-hmm. um, just to let everyone know that, you know, the ramifications of their new, tr- of their choice, it's better, I think, ultimately <gasps> to, um, to learn, you know, you really need do need to learn some project management skills to be able to, um, and some people skills to be able to sit and say, you know, there's a nice way to tell pe- someone no or tell them, yes, I understand you want that and let's take a look at that later rather than no, I think that's a really stupid thing to do and you shouldn't be doing it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think the the main takeaway here is that when you're ready to start value pricing or at least give it a shot, uh, start small because it does take practice. It's a, it's a it's a mind shift, really. It's a it's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of working. I'm a big fan. Obviously, you're a big fan, and uh, I think other people will really enjoy it if they give it a try. But but do it slowly with a, a low risk, smaller sort of project. Yeah, and I, I would say absolutely start slowly and and start start small. And you know, when you go in and um, try to. Um, estimate a project like this, 
you know, for a value-based project, try to get in there and, and, and find out why they want to do the project to begin with. What, what problems are they having? What, what, what opportunities are there? You know, if you end up doing this, you know, is it going to save them a ton of time? Is it going to save them a ton of effort? Are they going to be more compliant? What, what, what's that worth to them? And, um, you know, the, uh, the answers to those questions can, you know, can guide you to, you know, how you're going to price the project and, you know, whether it's a good client or not to start, to start value-based pricing. Yeah, or even if it's, you know, I don't want to use the word ethical, but even if, if you're going to feel comfortable taking their money, like you can't, if you don't know what they're trying to do, or if you don't have a reasonable um, level of confidence that they're going to benefit from writing this big check to you, then I feel like you, you haven't finished doing your homework. You know, it's like, I don't know. I, I just feel like the, the expert at the software piece which would be me or you or other developers, they need to kind of act like a doctor in this scenario where they, they are the expert and they don't just do what they're told because that can be a gigantic waste of money. So on the one hand, the, I feel like a lot of times when people talk about value pricing, it, it sounds like it can come across to people who haven't tried it as some sort of like gouging or shakedown or something, you know, like, Hey kid, how much you got? But in fact, it's the most client friendly approach that I've ever come across because it forces you to have those conversations up front. And it doesn't always turn out that the project's a good fit. As you've said it a couple of times, you know, it's like sometimes you're like, there's no, there's no good reason for you to pay me all the money that you would have to pay me to do this (laughs) because you're not going to get it back. That's that's true. That's true, and you might as well find that out, you know, um, <laughs> like imme- immediately, yeah. immediately, right? And you know, I think you know the other nature of our involvement with with um, some big companies is, you know, we are not typically, you know, uh, pitching and talking to the, you know, the ultimate um, person with the purse strings. We're talking to someone who's maybe a little more mid level. And, um, and so we're going to have to, a lot of times we help, help them try to find out, you know, focus in really on what their need is, right? Cause they may tell us that it's our need is X and we need you to fix X and then we can dig it and we dig it a little bit and actually kind of find out it's Y. And so, you know, we need to, we need to assist them, you know, to come up with some sort of ROI document or some sort of, you know, other, other measure of success that, that um, you know to help us all understand what the project's worth, but also for them to go and um, you know go and ask for the money, right? They're going to need to go and be the champion of this project, and they're going to need to go to their boss, and their boss is going to say, you know, why why should I give you this money to go and do this project? Um, you know, and for them to be able to make the case um, to make the case um, about how much the project is worth the company. You know, if we spend $100,000, it's going to save us $2 million or $2 million. You know, it, it, it's a much easier way f- to convey the value um, to someone else if, if you are, you know, if, if you've helped them do the homework of understanding what the value of the project is. Mm, absolutely. Give them the tools to sell it up the chain. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in the process, it makes you more confident that you've, that you've actually, that what you're doing is providing value to the client. Right, because you, because because ideally, you know, the nature of of trade is like, wow, you know, we exchange we exchange things, and you're better off, and I'm better off because of the trade, 
and you know, and that's that's really what value based pricing is all about. Well said. <laughs> well, that's a well, that's a perfect place to leave it. Um, <laughs> where can people find out more about uh, about you, Jeff? They can uh, Jeff at SilverLakeProductions.com. Uh, if you want to hop onto our um, our uh, email list about uh, working with big companies, you can go with, to workwithbigcompanies.com and you can sign up to our email list there. And uh, we send out emails once a week or so on uh, various topics, but a lot of it has to do with sort of uh, helping under, helping to understand uh, how you can benefit by uh, when, when you have the opportunity to go and work with some bigger companies. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure, Jonathan. Anytime. That's it for today. I'm Jonathan Stark, and this is Ditching Hourly. Thanks for listening. The next time someone asks you for your hourly rate, this is what you should say. I don't have one. To learn what to say next, visit valuepricingbootcamp.com to sign up for my free email course. Again, that URL is valuepricingbootcamp.com. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com call. Hope to see you there.